0: And welcome to the Jackcast. What should be an exciting and very, very upbeat Jackcast. I'm Matt Barocco, and I'm joined by Stephen Carroll and Gitta Llewellyn. Evening, both. Good Eva. evening. it's a Derby day result, it's a Derby win for the Swans it's the big one, Steve it was something we were looking forward to, we were nervous, we were excited you you and Ghetto previewed it last week and I can only imagine the nerves that you were thinking about as you were talking about it but also, you know, coming into the game as well, you don't sleep the night before you feel sick, all of a sudden you're not hungry everything goes and in the end what turned out to be an absolute dream of a game and a result for Swans who absolutely dominated from start to finish.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the most enjoyable derby days we've had because there were just so few moments that were concerning, really. I mean, obviously, we've gone in front early on and it's so comfortable. Then we've got a second uh, after the the red card and we can't have got 10 men. It was just so simple. You you can't ask for a a, a more straightforward uh Derby day, we've got to enjoy it because surely you're not going to get one as stress free as that. I mean, they they tend to be tight games, don't they? Or, you know, the the other time where we won by more than one, we won 3 0. I think all the goals were in the second half and the the second two were, I think, after the 75th minute. But it was just so comfortable, wasn't it? So enjoyable. And, uh, you know, the only regret is that we weren't there to see it because that would really have been one of the great away days that would have been talked about for years to come.
0: Yeah, definitely, and and I felt get that there were there were plenty more goals there for us if we wanted or needed to get them. It was one of those games, really. We had complete control over. Almost felt nervous to say it during the first half. At and even the commentators mentioned that uh, maybe. Swansea should have got two or three in that first half because, surely, Cardiff aren't going to be as bad in the second half. But they were worse, if anything. The reaction never came from Neil Harris's men who were resoundingly beaten, absolutely embarrassed all over the park. 1-11, not a single position did they have the Swans players' number all game. It was It was men against boys.
2: How many times have we seen this, where one of the teams the Swans has turned up and put in a proper Derby day performance, the kind of performance you want to see from your team on that kind of occasion. And Cardiff just simply have not, and they've just not shown up at all. It it, it happened in the first Derby last season and it, and it happened, it's happened in the first Derby this season as well. And, And I, I was amazed. I mean, they, they've, They'd won their four games running into running up to this game. Remember, so you're thinking, well, they're going to be confident, they're going to be, you know, up for this, and they're going to give us a tough match, etc. And it just never came. I mean, we got the early goal, uh, which which was scrappy and, and poor from Cardiff's point of view. There's no doubt about that. But it it just set the tone really. But even before that, I mean, the Swans had really approached that game most looking more switched on we were keeping the ball we um we were camped out in their in their half they weren't really getting anywhere near us um and um you know with our first real chance we we you know Connor roberts has beaten joe bennett for a header at the back post how how often does he win those headers and um the ball just bounces through to to low, who's quicker to latch onto it than than anybody else and and despite firing it straight at the keeper it, it creeps into the back of the net and you could that that kind of well that that kind of attitude from Cardiff typified their attitude all day. Really, they they just weren't at the races. The energy wasn't there. They weren't switched on mentally, and and you're right. First half, I mean, the Swans didn't really create too many other chances in that first half, apart from when Grimes mm. um, hit the post. There weren't too many other real clear cut opportunities. Um, but it looked comfortable. I think we were, we we were thinking, okay, let's not take any risks. But at the same time, there there was one moment really where Cardiff did look dangerous, and that was when Kiefer Moore uh, got a shot away off, uh on the edge of the area after that um, that foul in the build-up by, um, by by Ryan Bennett, the minor moment of controversy yeah. in the game. Um, that that was the only time they they posed any kind of danger really, and and. I mean, we, we spoke about before, beforehand, boys, uh, the, the fact that before the half was up, after about half an hour, really, I think, that they were taking long throws from just inside, the, basically halfway inside the Swan's half, long throws toward, towards the, the box. And I was watching thinking, you cannot possibly be this desperate already because the throws were so far out. There was no way that they were going to amount to anything. You know, you, you could have the best long throw in the world. And, and you'd struggle to create you could have Rory delap taking those throws and he would have struggled to create anything from that kind of distance but that's what Cardiff were doing because that's all they had to offer by that stage they'd run out of ideas at a, at a preposterously early stage in the game and just just look desperate and and we got to half time and thought well that was easy but surely in the second half it, it's not going to be this easy because Cardiff have to up their game and and i'm not sure they did really even before they went down to 10 men I, I, I didn't really feel like like we were ever stretched under any kind of threat really um yeah I, the the word is easy it it was easy
0: i got to be honest steve I, as we mentioned already there were moments in that first half uh where you just thought right okay well Maybe we aren't turning the screw enough, as 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 Ghetto said. Really, it was um, there weren't too many clear cut chances. Grimes was very unlucky with a with a shot. The keeper tipped on to the post, which you, on another day is a, is an absolute screamer, almost a Leon Britain playoff semi final-esque that I felt coming in off that side as well. But um, it really was one of those halves where you thought. We've camped in their half, as Ghetto said. We've got nothing to fear from them. They've offered very little. Neil Harris is clearly tactically inept because, despite seeing what everyone was seeing, he looked completely clueless as to how to change it to get the better out to their players. Um, their main man, uh, Harry Wilson, was completely anonymous. They should have played him, really. Well, apparently he did play, but you wouldn't <laughs> be surprised to know that, I suppose. But um, completely anonymous. And, you know, this was this was their major threat. And I, I think I look at them with Kiefer Moore as well, who went off with a hamstring in the second half, but uh, m- minus that one... one Glance at goal, which Geh he blocked um, out for a corner. Well, as it got pulled back for a free kick in the end, but um, completely anonymous, completely um, one dimensional. Steve, uh, there was nothing about them. The, the throw ins that were just inside the swan's half, um, they don't have never been renowned really in our generation for of, of playing a uh, good football Cardiff. they're they root one we call them hoofball merchants they they don't the antithesis of the swansea way really aren't they they like to play the, the percentages game put it in the air see if they can um, get a flick on and a bounce and something falls their way and poke it in the back of the net and that's obviously had some success with them previously and they haven't been like kicking around the doldrums with it but it's not entertaining it's really really poor to watch it's 1980s football not 2020 football but even even watching that game watching you know Booty versus the beast if you like you could see the swans were just there and it wasn't even as if you know there was a threat of cardiff on the break they were they were clueless they had nothing offered and yet we i felt at halftime steve well, maybe we weren't going for enough. Maybe we should have perhaps put one or two more on them. It was the last couple of minutes of the first half where we were happy to play for throw-ins and keep it in the corner. And I was thinking, maybe just stick it in the box. You know, they, they've got nothing going forward. And, you know, you could get a second goal. But... Um, in, in the end, the first half seemed to be camped about 70% in the Cardiff half, and following that goal, which, uh, which Gitto has already analysed, it really was a very, very strong Swansea City first half display.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, as you say, there, there would be that one criticism we didn't create a lot. I mean, the grind shot was unbelievable, really. I mean, I don't know where he's been hiding that in his locker, but we need to see more of it. It was from a crazy mm-hmm. angle. I mean, you we compared it to the Leon one in the playoff semi-final, but it was a better hit than that. Really, it seems mm. to be more powerful. The angle was extreme. I mean, it was it was right out on the corner. I mean, it wasn't. It was in terms of it wasn't as far out as like the 18-yard line, and it was further back, uh, further towards the goal than than the 18-yard line itself on the side. So, yeah, to even shoot from there really was was crazy. I would say, but you know, he um, he wasn't far off scoring, was he? I mean. You, you do always worry sometimes, don't you? I mean, because we had dominated the half, we were only one nil up. You're thinking, well, are they going to change things second half because they can't play any worse kind of thing? And I think in a derby, let's be honest, it's very difficult to to relax anyway. You're always going to, uh, well, certainly in my case, I'm always fearing that uh, things could change quickly because derby games in general can be quite unpredictable. But, um, yeah, the, we've... We arguably you could say we, we should have created um, a little bit more but the fact is we'd have all been delighted with, with 1-0 at half time and before the ball was kicked down the way that we played and the fact that Cardiff hadn't really you know threatened us at all but yeah um, with hindsight I suppose if we'd lost we probably would have been saying then well we should have um, made it count more in the, the first half when we were on top but um, of course it, uh, it doesn't matter now anyway does it?
0: No, it doesn't. And as you say, we went in a half time and you're thinking, well, OK, well, we'll need a second goal. It is a derby. You can't just rely on the one. Um, and well, Cardiff kind, of kind of helped us along a bit, Gitto I mean, you get a bucket early in the second half for Joe Rawls and you're thinking, well, there's four or five players in the buck already at this point. And there's all players. You know, You've got to be careful. Uh you don't want to be doing anything reckless or stupid. Uh give me a feeling a bit of a Stephen McPhail's, if mm. you can recall back, where you just thought, what an absolute idiot. Uh forget the fact that it was probably a red card challenge on its own, yep. leaving the ref no choice uh but to send him off either way. Um, but the fact is, he lost control of the ball. And it's not even as if he'd received the first yellow card, you know, an hour earlier, and he'd slipped his mind. He'd had it, you know, a matter of minutes earlier. And he's gone in way over the top. He's caught Corey Smith on his shin. Um, it's, for me, the late letter of the law, he should have received a straight red. But what I got a lasting feeling from from there wasn't, that's a nasty one, Oof, you know, Cole is to be lucky to get up. I was almost I feel in a fury for Cardiff thinking, what an absolute fucking idiot. What an idiot.
2: And Rawls is one of the leaders in the team, really. I, th- I think he's quite possibly vice captain. I'm not sure about that though. But but he is he's one of the kind of I, he's quite possibly their longest serving player. Um he, he's their kind of midfield leader. Um and for him to do that, I mean, in a derby like this, it just summed up. Everything that was wrong with Cardiff, really, because it it came about because he he didn't, he couldn't get his first touch right, which was uh, a running theme through the match for Cardiff. Uh, He lunges in very late, very dangerously. It, It should have been a red card. I mean, it's it's over the ankle. The studs are planted into into Smith. Um, Corey Smith is a bit lucky really that that he hasn't sustained a a, a nasty ankle injury as a result of that tackle um, as soon as he made it I was calling for a red card and, and I'd forgotten the Rawls was actually on a yellow but like I said if you're on a yellow card you don't lunge in like that but the truth is whether you're on a yellow or not you do not lunge in the way he did there it was it was so reckless but as soon as that red card was shown I I was confident then that we were going to um, that we were going to see it out because i mean cardiff had offered so little beforehand um I, and you know they they were they they weren't if they hadn't changed if they hadn't offered anything by that stage they definitely were going to offer anything down to 10 men um so i was very very confident up, um by that point and then i mean after that gate after that then it, it just turned into an extremely one-sided game. I mean, people have said it, it was the most one-sided derby that they can remember. Up until the red card, I would disagree with that and say that last year's derby, which we won, mm. was actually more one-sided. That that for me was more of a, an outclassing than than, um, than 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 Saturday's match. Um, but but as soon as the red card came, I mean. It was like a training session at the end of the day. And um, I, I think the time has come to move on to discuss Lowe's second goal, because, I mean, that that was the cherry on top. Um, and, and that basically summed up the gulfing quality between the two teams, because that was a moment of sheer class, even when they were trying to kick him to stop him. Yeah. Um,
0: of all to... people, Harry Wilson as well, who tried <laughs> yeah. to chop him down.
2: Just, the, the least likely person to yeah. bring... The, the, well, you know, the,
0: Cardiff City's of rubbed off on him, hasn't it?
2: Possibly, yeah. But, I mean, boys, what what a goal to cap mm-hmm. off the win.
0: What a goal, Steve says, Gitto. Uh, I don't think you can find many complaints here. I mean, I, I said to my dad before the game that I think uh, Jamal Lowe owes us a goal or two here today. Uh, I didn't actually really believe that it would come up with the both. But, um, you know, he's one of his... Well, the biggest criticism of him is, is is the quality of his finishing. His work rate's never been questioned. Um, and his ability is never been questioned. It's his finishing, isn't it? Which is he gets into such good positions. He probably should be on 12 goals already this season, given the uh, the chances he's had. But cometh the hour, cometh the man. And, uh, and, and Jamal Lowe picks it up as a bit of a ricochet off... Uh, Andre as the ball comes in and he's taking it on, and uh, despite Kyle Norton's best efforts to uh, get himself slotted through on goal, there was a man absolutely brimming with confidence after breaking uh, his uh, long uh, goal-scoring drought earlier on in the game, who's got no, nothing but eyes for the back of the net, and what a sumptuous finish, absolutely delightful with the outside of his right foot, Steve, and it looked like at that point anything that Jamal Lowe was going to touch was going to turn to gold because he was brimming with confidence, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, it was perfectly described by Windham Evans as ever saying, "What a pass from from Andrew to have put Jamal in."
0: <laughs> but,
1: um, yeah, oh, good old Wyndham. Um, well, for Low, I mean that the goal at the start must have been huge because, as you say, I mean he hadn't scored for a while. He's missed chances and. You just couldn't see him doing what he did for the second goal if he hadn't got that first one. Obviously, he's had no. a, probably had a little bit of luck in it because their goalkeeper had a shocker with the first. But, I mean, obviously, he's, he's taken the ball, he's run with it. I'm thinking, well, you've got to pass it here, really, because I still didn't really fancy him to to probably score from, from where he was. Most certainly didn't fancy him to score in the way that he did. But, yeah, the, the finish is just sublime, isn't it? It's one of the the, the great derby goals, I suppose. It's, uh, yeah it's going to get played over and over again, probably where we play them when the compilations uh, come out, isn't it? So, you know, re- I, I am pleased for him because I think he's he's definitely not someone that's, you know, he, he's been working hard and everything like that. It's just that the the finishing had let him down. And he did look low on confidence, but he must be feeling on top of the world right now. And, um, you know, the, he's a hero, isn't he? Uh, that's the only way of uh, of describing it. If you're ever going to make a name for yourself, I mean, I think of someone like Marvin Emnes who, Initially only played four games for us, but he's he's in Folklore because Ben
0: Ben Wilmot on his on his debut, you know. Yeah, Ben, <laughs> ben of Wilmot,
1: that. of course, yeah, he must have only played about twenty five games for us, but he's left a, a big marker, isn't he? I mean that's the day to do it. I mean yeah. No one's thinking now about Jamal Lowe, the the Norwich game where he's missed two chances, we could have won. Everyone's thinking Jamal Lowe, what a what a man. There's you know, he's he's done a job for us in a in a derby match and um you know, it's just a shame, really, that uh, you can't get the hero's recognition from uh, from the fans in person at the moment. But, yeah, I mean, it was what a goal it was. And, uh, you know, it was a very relaxing last 20 minutes or so after that one there, which uh, does not happen very often in derby matches. But uh, we will take it.
0: It was a disgrace to, to the derby tag, really, wasn't it, Kitto, that, that it was so comfortable? Um There's been talk in Cardiff City's fan base uh, from from Czech and social media and and, and forums that there is an inferiority complex uh, in Cardiff when it comes to the Derby games that they feel that history, uh, recent history in particular, doesn't favour them in the sense that they never seem to really get up to the levels of passion, enthusiasm, desire, drive that the Swansea counterparts do. And as a result of that, there is, there is a sense, and, and the words used were inferiority complex, almost that they can't do it. They don't feel like they can match our determination. And so they've lost that game, almost like yeah, you can, boxers can win fights in their pre-match talk before a punch is thrown. And this Swansea-Cardiff derby is almost won before a ball is kicked, because they just do not match our levels of intensity, desire, passion... And belief.
2: No, I saw somebody say that basically it's it's in the DNA, and um, you know it's it's interesting to hear them say that. It's something actually that we've, I think, spoken about for years as well. But but I think it's it's definitely um, a a widely held view in Cardiff now that that you know the derby is a real problem for them because they simply do not turn up for it. Um, But but it. I'll be honest. It's it's got me thinking. You know, to what extent is a Cardiff not turning up compared to actually not being good enough, and and you know them not being actually set up to do well against us. Because, um, I you know I, I'm looking at, at the starting lineups yesterday and and tactically how they matched up more than anything else. I'm thinking it it was always set up in in Swansea's favour. You know, the Cardiff trying to play four four two against 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 our side the fact that you know that their attacks rely so heavily on crosses into the big men the box and set pieces etc and we haven't conceded a headed goal this season we haven't conceded from uh a a cross apart from um crosses along the ground this season Mm -hmm. um you know we've got one of the best set, set piece records when it comes to defending them um you know, there were things there that were set up, really, in our favour. Their defence is particularly immobile. Um, I'm amazed, actually. I think Morrison and Nelson have started every single game this season, which is very surprising considering, you know, that, that they're not, I guess, the most mobile. And you would have thought that they would tire after a while. But... Um, There were a couple of things that just set the game up nicely for for Swansea against Cardiff. And and it does tend to be the case, actually, that the Swans are better suited to playing against Cardiff than Cardiff are to playing against against Swansea. When you add then the kind of psychological thing that, you know, I don't think anybody anybody in that Cardiff lineup has ever got a win against Swansea um, playing for Cardiff. Um, you know, it's it's four games in a row now that they fail failed to get a win, they've lost three of them. Uh, going back to our Premier League days, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's definitely a psychological issue there, and that there, there, there are reasons going back all the way to Dave Jones's time that they, they, they struggle to get themselves up for, for derbies, but I uh, I'm also wondering how much of it is just down to quality, you know, and, and the fact that we've got a deeper squad, we've got a more flexible squad, and, and I I think we've probably got uh, a better squad. They've got some, you know, effective individuals that you can build a an a, a, a tactic around, but as an all round team I think I think we're better than them, um on the whole. Um Yeah, yeah.
0: sorry, it was interesting you say that because it is very much um my viewpoint, particularly Um, More prominent after the Joe Roden saga that I felt that the business, despite the, the travesty of the transfer fee, the business carried out off the back of that left us with a far more balanced squad than we had last season, a far stronger squad than we had last season. And for all Cooper's criticisms, and I was front of the line giving them out about his lack of subs, uh, used um last season we you could argue and he, there has been that argument you look at the bench and you say well okay who would you who are you going to bring on to change the game who's who's well, who's the match you know and now you're looking at it ghetto and you're thinking well actually that squad is beefed up with quality you've got players like dander and palmer who did not get on the pitch you know if we needed moment of inspiration you've got players there who could have provided it
2: at halftime, I mean, there were there, there were a few concerns about um, Ryan Bennett. He was nursing a hamstring injury. Um, he was, you know, on a yellow card. And some people argued, um, um, you know, lucky to stay on the pitch. Although apparently there is a new rule that says the referee made the right decision there without any doubt, which is a bit strange, but there we go. Um, but I was thinking, OK, let's just take off Bennett and, and bring on Cabango. You know, but, but it would it, it's that simple. Let's take off one of our best defenders and bring on another fantastic yeah. defender in his place. We had those options. I was, and you look at Cardiff's bench and you're thinking, well, if they want to change things, who can they bring on? They can bring on Glatzel, but that doesn't really change the formation or the tactic that much. Um, and then you look at their other attacking options, like Murphy, who is more cold than hot. Um, that I think it's fair to say capable of the odd moment of magic, but generally flatters to deceive. Gavin White, who's not really the most... Um, the, the Well, he's, he's a pretty basic footballer, I would have, I would have said. He's he, he's quite fast, direct runner, but nothing nothing special. And that was about it when it came to their attacking options. And if they'd wanted to, to see out the game defensively, yeah, again, not, not too many options. Marlon Pack, if you wanted to beef up the midfield. Sol Bamba is another defensive option. But the quality on that bench... Does not compare to the quality on Swansea's bench, where you've got Ryan Manning, an Irish international. You've got um, somebody like Dander, who's really come on leaps and bounds. Palmer, um, who is an a, you know a, 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 an established Championship number ten. By now, by, by now, Cabango, who is one of the best young defenders in this league. Latibaudier, who had been fantastic against Bournemouth. And and again, you're just comparing squads like for like, and you're thinking, forget about sort of, tactics, forget about the psychology. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that that the the quality of the um, of 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 the squads is is a mismatch uh, on the whole, and yeah. there there is this widely held belief I think in Cardiff, and I think I, I've you know I I last season I was looking at Cardiff and thinking oh do you know what they've got a squad that's capable of um, going back up the Premier League. But by now, I, I think do you know what The squad isn't as good as people have made it out to be. It's not as good as I thought it was last season. It's not as good as some Cardiff-based journalists claim uh, claim it is. Uh-huh. Um, and and I think you know that there's there's more to this victory than just Swansea wanting it more. I I think there's that that that's combined with just a, a gulf in quality by now.
0: You're using the term journalist very loosely there, Ghetto. I'm but, not um... I'm
2: not referring to anybody specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I know,
0: now. I know. They look at you obviously. I think recruitment's a massive issue there at Cardiff. Uh, not that it should be a problem for uh, uh, Swansea but to consider.
2: If, just, just kind of, Sorry, I'm talking logic. But it, oh, it's my. worth pointing out that they they still had some good, effective players yeah. on the pitch yesterday. You know, the, the likes. I mean, Harry Wilson. We've spoken about it. Was was invisible. And from a Welsh point of view, you have to worry about his former Cardiff and and whether he suits that club, which we. Quite clearly, doesn't. Um, but the way he he was played yesterday was was totally unsuited to his skill set. Um, and and but but he's capable of of much better than what we saw. Kiefer Moore is a very effective striker on his day, but but just wasn't in the game yesterday. And and it, you know these players, the good players that they do have, probably aren't being used to their full potential because of the system that they're, that they're being used in
0: not a terrible footballer, Kiefer Moore, but this is a team that is incessantly direct and just wants to put the ball bang, 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 up on your head, flick it on try and get a bounce of the ball Um, and when, as you uh, analysed early doors or it may have been pre-podcast chat, you know, this is a team that is reliant on balls down the wing, crosses into the box set pieces into the box and when you're coming up um, against well the best defence in the division is factual, you know, uh, both clean sheets and fewer goals conceded, you're going to have trouble if your Route 1 plan is met with an absolute brick wall at the back. Um, I can't remember whether it was Alex Ferguson or one, one of the Man United legends that once said that attacks win you games but defence win you titles. And, and, and that's the difference in that you keep clean sheets draw or win games, I mean it sounds really basic but the way our defence is set up completely nullified Cardiff they would looked hopeless um, Steve, bring you back in, it's been a little while since we've heard your voice um, we go, it took so long for Cardiff to realise that they were getting completely dominated in the middle and it took them until they were down to 10 men and 2-0 down but they then substituted off Mark Harris for Marlon Pack to give them the extra body in the middle was missing Joe Rawls it was very very mismatched and from the first 10 minutes you could have seen uh, I, I'm not a big fan generally of the Smith Fulton Grimes midfield I've said before but having those three in there proved effective, completely overrun Cardiff and it just allowed us to put a stamp on the game they didn't get a sniff
1: Well to be honest I didn't really want us to play with, with those three in the middle but when you score as early as we did, it's sort of set up perfectly then, isn't it? Because you don't have to go for it massively. So, as you say, they, they did nullify the, the threat there. Whether it would have worked so well if we didn't score so early, then that is open to debate, I suppose. But um, the fact is, we did score early, so then it, it sort of played into our hands wonderfully. I mean, obviously, 4 2 gets... You know, there's not many teams that sort of play it these days, is it? I mean, you look at Leicester won the league with it, didn't they? They sort of bucked the trend. But I mean, a lot of sides now do play with, with three in the middle in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you might play with, you know, you've got the 4 3 3 of new 4 2 3 1. What we're playing now with, you know, sort of 5 3 2. And it's difficult for sides now that are playing 4 4 2, I would say. I mean, Cardiff did the same thing last season, didn't they? Had mm-hmm. the Liberty and played with a 4 4 2. Again, it, it didn't really work, did it? So, I mean, that probably didn't help them, I would say. I think uh, Neil Harris did say that after the game and he would have uh, gone about it differently. But, I mean, we've, we've sort of played you know, with three in the middle for years, haven't we? And you've got to wonder if that might be one of the reasons why we have tended to do better against them. I mean, it's it's just the way that teams play these days, isn't it? They, they like to flood the midfield and to dominate possession and it, it does make it more difficult then if you're outnumbered by three to two. And that probably didn't do Cardiff, if any favours did it. But I mean, the truth is they they can't say any of their players uh, especially did a good job yesterday, did they really? I mean, Smithy's made the mistake for the first goal and it sort of set the tone from So my uh, heart bleeds, should we say.
0: I'll address the elephant in the room In the uh, for the purposes of impartiality, Ghetto. Um, Ryan Bennett in the first half, I think if I was supporting those out east, I'd be a little disappointed he didn't... <laughs> putting it mildly, he didn't receive his marching orders for what looked like a second yellow, but now, I've heard conflicting reports, you mentioned briefly earlier on, I would be very sceptical looking at this, again, if I supported them that that this could possibly be the case but
2: apparently he, the ref did get it spot on apparently it's a very weird rule and uh, you have to question why it was brought in but uh, apparently if you are um, if a yellow card a challenge worthy of a yellow card is committed in the sense that he's trying to impede uh, an attacker mid attack and if the referee has played advantage and the, re- the attacker has managed to get uh, a good opportunity then uh, out of that, then the referee does not show a yellow card. Which, to me, sounds mad. I, I mean, who came up with that rule? Why they thought that rule was necessary, I don't know. But apparently that seems to be the rule. Um, I've not seen it used before. It's obscure to say the least, and if I was a Cardiff fan, I would still be pretty angry. What impact it would have had on the game, I guess, I guess we'll never know. It was the one thing in the entire game that Cardiff could feel aggrieved about um but but yeah i I think it you know if if there was any justice, I think Ryan Bennett really should have had um a second yellow for that, and um I wouldn't have been complaining even after no. hearing that rule if if he had been sent off It's a
0: difficult one because what has actually happened is he stayed on his feet um and you're thinking well. He's getting the shot away here as soon as the ref pulls it back I've got my i'm I'm peering through my fingers because I'm thinking well he's 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 taking him out when he's getting the shot away on goal and you know yes he's got a shot away but if the ref pulls it back you're worrying aren't you uh I'll read it out to you Steve it's been brought in for this season just thankfully <laughs> under law 12 fouls and misconduct. If the pl- referee plays advantage or allows a quick free kick for an offence which interfered with or stopped the promising attack, the yellow card is not issued. So, by the virtue of staying on his feet, um, Kiefer Moore has effectively kept uh, Ryan Bennett on the pitch, which is probably going to leave a bit of a sour taste in his mouth. But it's definitely one of those obscure ones. And uh, as Gitto said, you'd, you'd think in the in the in the laws of the game would would certainly see that as a blatant, um, well, it, it it's it's no attempt of the ball, really. He's, he stuck his leg out, uh, hovered it there, and just left it there for the player to trip over. Um, but the laws are there, and they're there for a reason, and whether they've been adapted for any specific intention in mind. But the referee is obviously read up on them. And how often have we said this season about the ch- level of the quality of the referee in the championship. But in this instance, he's spot on. Credit to him.
1: Yeah, um yeah, the ref does deserve credit really because I certainly thought he was gonna get sent off. And then obviously the longer it went, you're thinking, Oh, we might just get away with this one, you? And obviously he didn't get it read. And um but yeah, when you see that afterwards then about that rule, you sort of understand why. Um interestingly, I, I'm a i am I still think we may have been a little bit lucky there because should we have taken him off, um, is what I was thinking. Obviously, it doesn't matter now, yeah. but I mean, I was thinking half time. He literally now, where well, if he does one little thing, he's off. Um, and obviously, it didn't happen, so so it's great. But I could imagine he had been sent off, and it had, like cost us the game. I think the knives would have probably been out for Cooper, so
0: you yeah, know, by
1: keeping him on was a little bit of a gamble, really, wasn't it? Obviously, it's paid off, so that's great. But you know, I I think maybe we should have taken him off, if I'm being honest, because that could have yeah. been very risky. We we could have uh, you know put ourselves on the back foot, and need. He was walking in an incredible tight rope after that, Bennett.
0: I found it even more peculiar after the uh, Joe Rawls uh, red card ghetto because I thought, you know how referees like to even these up, and I thought it would be something completely innocuous a challenged header where someone goes down, and you just know the referee is going to love the opportunity to just balance it up 10v10 just so that any doubts over the earlier one or, or whether or not Bennett should have gone in the first half would have been brushed away by and I just thought right, as soon as Joe Rolls gets sent off, the first thing that should happen is a Swansea substitute board go up. Um we've seen it happen um I think it was was it Pochettino down the Liberty um I think yeah, fought... Davidson,
1: Sanchez, wasn't it
0: wasn't Sanchez yeah it was a blatant second yellow card and the referee shit out of it and then straight away Pochettino knew he'd got away with one, and within a minute he'd subbed him off. He knew exactly what was happening. Um everyone in the stadium could see what was happening, and, and yes, I do agree with you, Steve. I do think well we should have perhaps subbed him anyway. Um Cooper has got away with one there, um, in fairness. But um it's interesting reading on about the laws and get to bring us back to you again. Um Rules dealing specifically with playing advantage state advantage should not be applied in situations involving serious foul play. Well, it wasn't that. Violent conduct or a second cautionable offence unless there is a clear opportunity to score a goal. So if he plays the advantage, he can't send him off. If it's a second cautionable offence, he shouldn't play advantage, but he's obviously deemed... The original opportunity as a clear opportunity to score, which is why he's played it. So, does that make it any clearer to you?
2: I, I, I mean, if, how do you define a clear, mm. um, you know, goal-scoring opportunity? I guess in that in that kind of situation, you know, Kiefer Moore was on the edge of the area and Mark Gay was in front of him, and it was blocked. From and it was, blank and range, it was wasn't it? blocked before he could get to get to the goal. So, how clear an opportunity is that really? Um, so yeah, I, it's an obscure rule. I, I, I absolutely have no idea why it was brought in, why they felt the need for that rule. I mean, that's what football really needed, isn't it? That that yeah. specific rule. I mean, that's what we've been calling out for years. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it, it's just a weird one, as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, um, I, 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 if I, uh, if I was a Cardiff City fan at at that time, watching it, um, and thank God I wasn't yesterday. <laughs> um, then, yeah, I I would still feel a bit miffed and feel like justice was not served in letting Ryan Bennett stay on. But he did, uh, and it it helped us um, see out uh, a very, very enjoyable win.
0: What is it, Steve, about the derby? You hear the players pre-match from both sets of teams that come out and say, you know, we're up for this, we're going to do it for the fans, you know, we know how much it means, yada, yada. But you watch the players on the pitch then, and it's almost as if, Swansea being played played like hardcore punk rock music in the dressing before game, and Cardiff have been playing some melancholic, sad little opera music which just completely dulls the life out of them because I just feel like they come on the pitch and it's two completely different characters, and Gitto mentions earlier about the quality, and it's a rare thing to see on a football team, I suppose, that if you have, you can have a balance between having The match winners, the quality and your workhorses, and the workhorses help give the ball to the match winners, but in one player, in André, Swans have the luxury of both, don't they? He is clearly one of, if not the best player in this division, Um, he's certainly in the top three without question yet he works as hard as anyone else in the division as well, so he he gets it as well, you know how much he feels and he, he loves he loves beating them down the road. He just—you can see it in him, the way he plays the game. It's a—it's a rare thing, isn't it? But Swans have—they have the quality, as Gitto said. The—the the, the squad, the first starting eleven—it's just better than Cardiff. The recruitment's been better. The Swans have a better team and, and do have a better chance of promotion than Cardiff. No matter what the the national publications will tell you. That said, the grit and determination is there in abundance as well. It's not just quality, is it?
1: No, it's not. Um... It, that's the thing with us we are very difficult to score against aren't we so when we did go in front yesterday much as I know there was, the, there was always that worry they can come back and this type of thing but I was thinking we are going to be really hard to beat now because not many teams have scored two goals against us so that is such a you know a strong uh, thing to have in your locker I mean you said earlier about the thing with uh, you know defences win titles, uh, attackers win new games and it, yeah you, you can't really argue with it and that that is the, the thing with us I mean like you say with AUE's he works his socks off, and he he didn't really have too many great chances to score anything yesterday. But he was still influential with us. I mean, we're we're just very lucky, I suppose, that down the years our players, our manager, etc., they all whoever it is, they always seem to get this fixture, don't they? Whereas we, it doesn't seem to be the same on um on the other side. The, uh, the media probably don't do us any harm in that sense because you know there are certain people, one who springs to mind straight away, who uh always looks down their nose at us. And, um, you know, by doing that, uh, I think it probably gets to the players as well. In some ways, they probably see, you know, all this thing, Cardiff this, Cardiff that. And maybe it's, it just doesn't do us any harm. And, uh, you know, it certainly doesn't do, uh, you know, me any harm. I, the best thing from my point of view always is if Cardiff just start to talk. Because every time they do, it tends to backfire. So, um, you know, we can't, we can't complain, really. But I was working it out earlier. I have record in this fixture since 2008. Is now twelve games, six wins, three draws, three losses. Now you've got to be pretty happy with that, to say the least. I mean, we have now won twice as many games as them in that period. Um, you know, that is that's pretty satisfying, isn't it?
2: I think I think there's a difference in the way that both teams see each other. I think I, I may be wrong here, but uh, as as a Swansea fan, I've always thought of us as kind of a reasonably small club that overachieves really and that's that's what gives me pride and joy is the fact that you know we've we've accomplished things in our recent history which we should never have been able to do really and we are we are a club that's proud of its ability to punch above its weight and that's part of our identity i think whereas cardiff's identity centers around this idea that they are a big club mm. that that really should be be- bigger than what they are, I and mean, should be better than what they are. I think they they've got this idea that they are the big club in the making, and that they you know have this rightful place that they that they need to get to. And when you when you bring those two mentalities then into the derby, you've got one side that th- that almost thinks that well, there's a superiority there in in some senses. Cardiff fans think will always think that they are the bigger club and the better club um whereas Swansea fans i think we do sometimes think of ourselves as the kind of the the underdog at times even when we've got bigger players when we've got well better players and we're we're doing better in the league etc i still think there is some part of us that thinks you know with we're the second city kind of scrapping against the the kind of the, the the cocky ones from 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 the capital that's probably not true because Swansea fans are every bit as cocky, if not cockier, than than Cardiff fans these days. But there is an element of that in there that that feeds into it as well. So Cardiff always feel like the favourites going into these matches and the club that theoretically should win these matches, even though often they aren't.
0: I will say... um... I, I I see exactly where you're going with that. I do feel this is very media-driven. Uh, you can see exactly um, where Steve brings it up in that you've got the publications which are all centred around. Um, Cardiff, even look at, just look at what's come after the fight the fallout of the derby it's not how Swansea won it, it's how Cardiff lost it, you see that it'll be fed back to the players and you can see how um, the players are up for it, I absolutely agree with that and I think it's, it reminds me a lot, gents, of the England national team where the media are so, have this superiority complex think that they are the be all and end all uh, in this case, Cardiff are the be-all and end-all of Wales, and um, and it goes beyond football. Of course, you can look at the the, the Welsh Assembly and the government, uh, the Welsh government, and how much funding gets ploughed into the capital compared to everywhere else in Wales. And it, it's it's a societal thing, and I think where your point comes into it, Ghetto, as well, is it goes, it does leave a bitter taste over, well in society generally. I think in that, and it, Cardiff have this, everything given to them, uh, this um, increased Then Every time a building goes more than five years old, it gets a facelift, whereas Swansea's rot into the ground and you know, no one's bothered. So you can see that, in society generally as well. And I think from that perspective, it does help because you just need to read any publication. You just need to switch on the evening news at six o'clock and, and you'll hear about Cardiff, Cardiff, Cardiff. Oh, and in other news, Swansea won a big game and uh, this was the score. And you just look at that and you go, oh, this is meant to be impartial. This is meant to be, this is almost what, this is what I'm paying my license fee for. You know what I mean? You're looking at it and you're thinking, it's not right, it's not fair, but it does help when it comes to these sorts of things. And I think when it comes down to the crunch then, the players are like, you know what? These people, yeah, they've given you no chance. They've not spoken about you. They've, mis- they've misspelled your name in that paper. you know. They, they're not even bothered mentioning about you, but it's Cardiff, 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 Cardiff. Even since the game, as I say, even since the game, it's how Cardiff lost it. How... Neil Harris got it wrong. I haven't seen anything yet about how Steve Cooper got it right. Uh, and we've got to give him great credit, Steve, because uh, we talked about maybe whether the, the midfield three would have worked as well had we not got the early goal. And we could talk if but some maybes um, uh, for the rest of the evening. But the fact of the matter is that was a complete domination and Cooper managed that derby superbly.
1: Yeah, he did. Obviously, his record in the the derby, I have to say, is pretty good now as well, with you know two wins and a draw. And obviously, then in the and in the, Gitterwood said earlier, really the the home win last season was more dominant. Really, I mean, they they barely had a kick. It was like a a hammering of a one nil. Really, it should have been far more. But yeah, Cooper does seem to maybe grasp this fixture, doesn't he? And he's like I say, he set us up well. It was a clear plan, and with us scoring early, it just worked perfectly then because we had the the more cautious midfielder, and, we, and the fact we're not conceding goals, it was always going to be very difficult to um, to break us down, so yeah, he does deserve um, a lot of credit, even though I've said maybe he should have taken Bennett off, but he didn't, and it worked, so uh, there's uh, no complaints there. Um, yeah, and like I said, Jamal Lowe arguably, would, would we have even started him, if you think about it, would we have been thinking maybe somebody else should have had a go, because he hasn't impressed that much lately, but Stuck faith for them, and obviously it it paid off. So all of his decisions really paid off. So uh, for him, a great day.
0: Yeah, and he has stuck with Jamal Lowe as Nikito. I mean, he's spoken um, on several occasions before about Jamal Lowe, and questions have been put to him. You know, he's a winger being asked to play a striker's role, and not every winger being asked to turn into a striker is going to turn out like Thierry Henry, are they? But <laughs> that said. Those finishes, uh, you know, the second finishes, something Henri would have been proud of yesterday. And um, and and he's got, he's put a lot of faith in him and he's stuck with him when others wouldn't have.
2: Yeah, because I think the question has started to be asked, you know, should Lowe be dropped just because he isn't supplying the goals? I mean, like Steve said earlier, I, his work rate's been fantastic throughout and I, I do think he contributes a heck of a lot um, to this side, and he, he enables us to keep the ball and and um, to, to he, he improves our build-up definitely um, by, by his presence in the team. Um, so even though he's not scoring goals, I think he's still contributing a lot, which makes it easier to justify keeping him in the team. He's not just, I say, a goal scorer who's not finding the back of the net. He is more than that, and even though he's not scoring, he he is still contributing. But um, I mean, it, it is a vindication of keeping low in the team. The fact that he could get two goals in such a massive game, um, and, and Cooper will be hoping that that, of course, boosts his confidence in front of goal and he'll start netting a bit more regularly from now on. Um, but but I thought Cooper guy's tactics really really spot on. Really, I mean, the the formation was never going to change. I guess apart from the 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 question of who is playing in midfield, whether we go for a an out and out defensive midfield three or or stick a number ten in there. Pre match, I would have said put Casey Palmer in there to get a physical attacking um, yeah. presence in midfield. He didn't do it, but but the midfield really stepped up to the plate and uh, and dominated and 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 helped us win the game. And you can't really argue with the results. Um, so even though it's not something I'd want to see every single game, it definitely worked against Cardiff. Um, and, and yeah he's, he's you know cooper's taken a, a a lot of stick in his time at, at Swansea last season there were definitely times when it didn't look like things were going really right and did, couldn't really see what he wanted to do with this team but but he has found a way of, of making us effective uh, of getting us playing to our full capacity and and he's made us promotion candidates um yeah. and and this season I, I don't think anybody can really criticize what, what Cooper's doing. I think he's doing a fantastic job.
0: It does boggle me, um, and i see people saying, oh, you know, I'd like us to get back to 4 3 and I'm thinking, oh, or four-five-one rather, and I'm just thinking, oh, we've seen that. Yeah. You know, OK, that was what we used to do, um, and we used to do it very effectively, but we also did that for the first five months of last season, and we all remember how boring and ineffective it was. We didn't have, obviously we'd lost Dan James and Ollie McBurney, and we didn't have the players to play that game effectively. Connor Roberts had his worst five months in a Swansea shirt. Jake Bidwell looked like an absolute travesty of a signing from QPR, the most un-Swansea-like signing ever. And now you've given them to the license to do what they want to do, which is which is get up and, and, and provide some attacking width. and And, and it just fits us because what we were struggling with the first half of last season and effectively was movement every time we got the ball we looked like there was no movement, there was just slow ponderous sideways backwards because there were no options, big big critic of Matt Grimes myself last season and and it was because um, it's been pointed out to me his lack of spatial awareness or his lack of you know, spraying the ball out left, right and centre like he was doing the year before is because there's no movement there. There's no one actually making those runs. Now with Roberts and Bidwell, the only players who are hugging a touchdown, they're forced to get up there and they're forced to get up on the side. Look at the goal. Bidwell crosses it in. Conor Roberts heads it back across the goal. How many times have we seen that this season and the end-tail-end of last season? They're effectively providing us with another two attackers when we go up the pitch. It's just... It, it it does boggle my mind that um that that there is still a call to, to return to an old formation when we've got one that clearly is the best suited for the personnel we've got. And and I'll give I'll give Cooper credit uh on the other point, Steve, in that I would have liked him to play Palmer um in the midfield. I thought he would have added the strength, the beef and and also the attack and threat as well. But in having him on the bench, maybe he was thinking, I've got an option. Maybe we'll keep it tight. Maybe we'll try to not get overrun by a Cardiff team brimming with confidence coming off four wins on the bounce. we just make sure that we don't get two or three nil down early doors and then really end up up against it. um, And then see where we are. And then Palmer is always an option off the bench. Fresh legs come on, start imposing himself on the game. Who knows? We would have likely seen him or Danda. More likely Palmer, I'd have thought, but one or the other if we needed to and the simple fact is, the way the game went, we didn't
1: Yeah, I, I, it would have been interesting to know what, what you know the plan was in, in that sense, because obviously, if you, one of the mid, uh, midfield three was going to go off then there wasn't another similar type of player to, to bring on, so a more attacking player would have had to have come on really or it would have meant a, a change in formation so, yeah, it is an interesting one, I, I I probably would have started, well, I definitely would have started with, with Palmer and probably not played Smith. But, you know, as I said earlier, really, it just worked out perfectly because we got that early goal. I mean, if we hadn't, it's difficult to really say what, what Cooper would have done. Obviously, he was quite cautious in the, the same fixture last year. He didn't make a sub at all. We, you know, we didn't really push on, even though a lot of people felt it was there for the taking. So, um, like I said, it, all his big decisions were perfectly. And the fact we scored early there was like a dream scenario. So, you know, um, it's what he would have done otherwise. It's uh, it's hard to say, but it it doesn't really uh, matter now, does it? But I, I think it definitely would have been Palmer that I would have picked him in. Me and Gitter were talking about it last week. I think this wasn't really a game for Danda. You could have seen him getting muscled off the ball, really. So, you know, the fact that uh, that he didn't play was definitely a positive because I don't think he would have had the type of impact that we were looking for. Not Nothing personal to him, but it's just not the fixture... Um, you would uh, choose to start him in. I I just don't think uh, he'd be as effective as he's been in previous games.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I can definitely see where maybe. But we've said that about Dander before as well. We've said that perhaps, you know, he's a bit lightweight or whatever, but then he's come into games where you think he's definitely not going to be useful in this one. He's, he's had absolutely brilliant performance. Was it Stoke um, five or six weeks ago? I can't remember. Um, he you know, he 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 run the show, perhaps got should have got a couple of goals in that one. But um you just never know. He certainly come on leaps and bounds this season. Um and it is going back to what we said earlier on really where it does add um a great depth to the team and giving us options if we need them, which is which is a lovely problem for Steve Cooper to have and perhaps something he's not always had um since he's been at the club. Um but it was. An absolutely brilliant result, and uh, take nothing away. Where it leaves Swansea is on the on the wider scale. Is it did push us up into the automatics. We've now um, come down after the uh, afternoon games were played, but only to third, uh, which puts us in a, such a strong position still. Um, four points off top, one point off, off Bournemouth in second, um, and and really leaves us in you know in, in a fantastic mm-hmm. position. Uh, going into going into the Christmas fixtures now, which normally would be the uh, the most hectic time of the year, ghetto, But there isn't really a time when there isn't a hectic time of the year this season, is there? So it's pretty much par for the course and the norm now for the Swans. Um, and we we, we we should look ahead, really, to, to what's coming up. And first of all, as as we talk here, we've got a game in a few a few days' time. And let's hope it's not after the Lord Mayor show, as we've seen sometimes after a, after a derby result. But it is a game uh, that Swansea will consider very winnable. It'll be a, a bit of a pick-up in form since SAC and Philip Korko. But derby county away from a derby to derby, <laughs> you know, is... Uh, it's, it's still points on the board the Swans you could target and think that um, you know you should be if you're serious about automatic promotion as we said before Derby County and their current predicament
2: is one of those games you could target From one Derby to another uh, Yeah, I, I, I'd love to see us build on the Cardiff City result and go to Derby and, and put in a similarly commanding uh, performance really uh, Derby are probably not quite the same team um, that they were a couple of weeks back when uh, Philip Cocker was in charge. Um, I mean, since since Wayne Rooney shifted from the pitch to the dugout, they've they've not lost any any games. They've they've only won one of them, and that was against a very poor Millwall team. So it's not been a total transformation. But you look at the results: one all against Wickham, one all against Coventry, one nil against Millwall, nil nil against Brentford, nil nil against Stoke. That suggests that they have solidified uh, at the back. Mm. Still not still a bit of an issue scoring. Um but but they they're not losing games at the same in, in the same way as they have done for most of the season. Um I mean they lost 3-0 away at Middlesbrough which which was a real hammer blow for them I think and really um hit home that that things needed to change. And and it seems like they've started to to sort that out. I think there are a lot of problems at that club right now. Um, It's not, the the squad is the weakest there's been for a a long time. Um, Obviously there's been talk of this takeover, which seems to have distracted everybody. They've still not made a a permanent decision over a manager. Um, Finances have been a little bit questionable over the last few years. So it, it, it's not on the face of it a club that's in a great place, although they're probably in a better place now than they were not that long ago.
0: It is. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because there is, they have got a new set up in, in, on, in the dugout, Steve, uh, with as, as, as Gitto said, uh, Wayne Rooney, not hanging up his boots so much, but concentrating more on the, uh, the, the, the managerial side. But on that, in that respect, they've, they've showed things up. Um, and and perhaps will be a slightly different prospect. That said, you know, he hasn't come in all guns blazing and started uh, tearing up the form book. Um, they've just made steady improvements. And it's is it fair to say in that regard, it's still not, are still far from the finished article from Derby's perspective, and something that Swansea should still be going there full of confidence?
1: Well, we should definitely be going there full of confidence after... Um... The weekend, but um, it probably isn't the. Whenever I said this about Cardiff, it's, it's probably not the best time to have Derby. Would rather have had them about a month ago, but you know the fact is that they are a team that's struggled. I think they've mainly struggled with scoring goals. They haven't scored many at all. I mean, there was a there's a point earlier in the season where they they really hadn't scored many. But they are you know the, I think there are still some reasonable players there. Obviously, the fact that Rooney himself isn't going to play is probably uh, a help. Obviously, he's he's not the uh, as good as he, he once was, but You'd still think that he'd be able to more than hold his own in a team like that, but um, I mean the fact that he's in charge now, I think that was fairly likely to happen. That he was probably going to be their next manager, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up being uh, their next permanent boss. Mm. But you know, I think it is a surprise really that Derby have you know struggled as much as they did. I mean, they were they were a reasonable side last year. I mean, they did have a sniff of the playoffs later on in the season, um, but I I wouldn't have expected them to have been as bad as they. They have been really, but like I said, they, they seem to have they started to uh, improve. So it's it's not going to be a, an easy game. I mean, our, our record there isn't the best in general. You know, I think I can only remember that one win. I think it was the game where uh, Pintado um, snapped hmm. Robbie Savage, which is always uh, an enjoyable thing to, to mention. But um, you know, but like I said, we should be going there um, full of confidence at least, uh, you know, hoping that we can
0: come away with something eight goals in 18 mm. games get i'm sure you're aware um it's uh, it's a problem for them
2: yeah i th- i think they're the lowest scorers in the division by yeah they uh, are. By, by by yeah by yeah by two goals against sheffield wednesday and they've only scored four goals from open play um so you know the, it tells you everything apparently um what what is him Colin Kazim Richards has been um, mm-hmm. has been playing well for them recently and has been a big part of of their um, kind of slight turnaround in, in form. He seems to have given them a bit of a focal point to attack because because I do think that's been an issue for them really that that lack of of striking talent. Um, he's just given them a little bit of presence up front and that seems to have made a difference. Um, but yeah, the, the team's just been. I mean, weirdly, they are a team that can that can keep hold of the ball well enough. I mean, they've got some decent footballers in there, it's a lot of youngsters who are, who are technically pretty good. It's just that, you know, then then when you look at their defence, it's not the most convincing of defences, and and up front they really do lack goals. Um, so it, what what's going on in the middle is okay. What's going on in defence and attack is, is is problematic for them. But um, I I don't think Derby are usually pushovers, you know, whoever plays no. against them. I think I think it, it's often the case that you, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of resistance, um, even if, you know, they, they don't really look like scoring a lot of the time and 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 it only takes one or two chances to score against them. But you will get a bit of resistance from them. And, you know, they're, they're not your typical championship team. They will try and keep the ball. They will try and um, pass it up the pitch. Um, I'm not sure how much that that's changed under Wayne Rooney, but um, I I think I uh, think they've the impression I guess that they've improved since he left the team as well. He's one of these players who was in the he had to be in the team because he's a big name, even though he probably didn't suit the team that well. He he was dropping very deep, taking a lot of touches, you know, not really having the kind of influence that you want in the game. I mean, at the end of the day, he's you know he's he's well past it, and and by now I don't think he's anything more than a mediocre an average championship player so I don't think he's any kind of great loss uh, now that he's in the dugout and, and it's possible that, that it's actually freed them up a little bit um, ha- having him off the pitch um, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a pushover going against Derby but the form that we're in at the moment, the way we've played this season, it, it's one that we should be targeting you know, a, a team struggling to stay up, we we should be going there looking to win, shouldn't we?
0: Yeah, it's interesting what you say about Rooney. Is I thought that since he's gone there, really, it became the Wayne Rooney show, didn't it, at Derby? And uh, after after just just after Frank Lampard's Derby County, it became Wayne Rooney's Derby County, which, in in a sense, did take you know did take the focus or the the attention away from any of the other players who who may have been trying to shine there. Um, and, and if you've seen him at all in the MLS, you see he became like a quarterback role where he just sat there in front of the defense almost and just started spraying balls 40, 50 yards out to wingers, which is great if you are um, an absolute dominant team that, that just have far superior players. But the championship is a dogfight. It's one of the most competitive divisions in, world, in the world. Um, and we all all too well about that, and uh, and it is anyone can be anyone, so you can't have a player there whose sole purpose is to just, as you say, he sits very deep, he picks the ball up, and he just tries to play these Hollywood passes. I do think, I do think it'll have benefited Derby that he's not on the pitch anymore, um, and and the media. We talked about the media's influence earlier on in the podcast, and the media almost wouldn't have allowed of Koku to uh to drop Wayne Rooney because Wayne Rooney is bigger than, than Derby County in, in, in their eyes and uh, as as preposterous as that seems. But um it does feel like that balance might be better now that he's not there and that focus and that attention can just, just be shifted to the eleven on the pitch. Um that said, you know, Swansea go into it. Uh three wins in the last five, it's uh, it's a win loss win. Win so it's not um, been um, uh, it's been up and down but I, I'm hoping we can follow it up with a second back to back victory. Steve, um, what are your thoughts on how this one's going to go?
1: It's a difficult one. I'm not. I don't know. There's always the danger, as you say, I mean, the after the Lord Mayor show thing with it, uh, when you played the derby game. Um, I'm going to say one
2: 0
0: Okay, yeah. Um, Gitto, what about you?
2: I'd like to think that the, the buzz from winning against um, Cardiff will, will spur them on and they'll want to build on it and we can get a 1-0 win. That's that's what I'd like to see happen.
0: Yeah, I feel like it would be, um, and, 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 and take this at face value, I think it would be more significant if we were to follow it up um, with another win. Because that would show that we're here. Do you know what I mean? Derby games are derby games. You have to take them out of the context of the season. And it's who can get themselves fired up most for the 90 minutes. We know historically we've managed to do that better than Cardiff, as we've analysed earlier on. When you put that then and you follow that up with another win, however it comes, that will feel not as satisfying. of course, nothing will feel as satisfying. But in terms of statements to the division, that will stand out more in terms of how we intend to play this season out if we're able to follow it up with what we on paper looks like a, a, not a routine win but an exp- you know we will be favorites going into it no doubt um but it will say that we're able to put these results back to back which other teams who get promoted have to do so i'm going to stick the faith in the team as well i'm going to say a one nil victory to the swans um and uh hopefully as well it's uh, it's one of the front two to keep up their uh, confidence and score in form and uh we move on now to talk about uh the game following up from that while I frantically search for it on my um <laughs> I mean, it's uh, home to Barnsley on the 19th and the following Saturday. We won't give a score prediction for this yet, but we will have a quick chat about it. Um, Steve, coming back to you again, this is a slightly different proposition. Barnsley, who currently sit mid-table, Um they've won the last two on the bounce. I don't know how the game will go uh, between now and then, but... Um, this one a little bit, perhaps, uh, again, another one that we should be targeting, but not perhaps so much so as as, as Derby. Would you still fancy us? I should think so.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd like to think that would be a, a game that we'd win. I know Barnsley obviously have had um, an issue in terms of manager, their manager left, I believe, to go to New York Red Bulls right at the start of the season. So they've appointed another manager. Now his name is Valerian Ismail. They, they do love an obscure manager that's... Uh, it's worked abroad as what i've noticed with uh with Barnsley, but obviously it's it's uh, worked reasonably well so far so yeah Barnsley, one of them they're a li- probably a little bit like we used to do they seem to look outside the box for um mm. you know for their managers but they've um like you said they they having a the better season this year than they did yeah. uh, did last because they've they are the type of club that can bounce between this division and um, and the one below obviously so yeah i think it's again. It's a game we've got a target to win if we uh, if we want to go up. That's what I would uh, would say. Really, I mean, it was, the game with them last year was quite dour, wasn't it? It was in nil, nil link around Christmas time. Um, hopefully, this one will be a bit better than that.
0: We we said this um, a few weeks back. It though when we looked at the prospect of the uh, Norwich's and Brentford's coming up, and we said, "Oh, well, we've got a few games beforehand we can target." Really going into those games, full of. Full of uh, spirit. Um, This seems like another opportunity, doesn't it? These games come in little packs where you think, well, Derby away and then Barnsley at home. Um, If we can put two wins together there to follow on from the Cardiff win, we will be right up there uh, going into Christmas um, Mm -hmm. and 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 really be looking at uh, people taking us seriously for the top two.
2: Yeah, I think I think you know well. It's all well and good going out and beating Cardiff two 0 in a in a big match in the derby, but but the sign of 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 serious promotion contenders is that you can then follow that up and get the job done against the weaker sides in the division. Now, I I don't I'm not putting Barnsley. In the same category as as Derby, I think they're a much better team than Derby, and they've got some good players. Like Steve said, they are a team that that looks for players in unusual markets. They they try to play football the right way. I think that could suit us because they will come to the Liberty looking to attack. Um, they'll be looking to to be expansive to to create chances. That, that should leave us some room to, to attack as well. And what you've seen over the last few months is after you know a really bad start to the season when they had their problems, they've, they've settled down. But their wins have predominantly come against the poorer sides in the division and, and their defeats have come against the stronger side. So they've just had two straight wins against Sheffield Wednesday, who are, of course, bottom of the table, and Wickham, who I think are second from bottom. But before that, they were hammered 4-0 by Bournemouth. Um, they've beaten Birmingham, but they've lost to, to Brentford and Blackburn. You know, the only team of note, really, uh, that you can say are one, definitely one of the better sides in the division who they have beaten are Watford. So they're definitely capable of that. They've got some talented players, the likes of Collywood, Woodrow, Fisher, um, the, these players. There are there are some, you know, they're, they're an underrated team, Barnsley. And I think that they're a, they're a team who are possibly better than their league position suggests. Um so I, I I definitely would not take them for granted I think I think they'll come here and they'll give us a tough game and, and it could be a difficult one for us because I think we've seen in the past where perhaps less sort of fashionable sides have yeah. come, have come to the Liberty who who try to play football and, and our fans have almost been taken by surprise by that, expecting, you know, a team to sit back and pack the bus. And when they come and try to challenge, suddenly it's a bit of a surprise. I think that happened a couple of weeks back with Luton, for example, who, you know, came and created chances and, and caused problems for us and gave us a tough match. And some fans were starting to question things then. And and I, I can see it being a very similar game with Barnsley. I think they will have their chances to score. But likewise, I think they will give us chances to score, and um, it's just about being professional and, and being clinical, like we were against Luton, and and just getting the job done against Barnsley. Probably,
0: how hard is this team talk for Derby, Steve? I mean, it's you always say that the team talk for 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 a derby, the Cardiff uh, Swansea derby, it writes itself, really, doesn't it? As we as we discussed earlier on, but how to how to get the players back up to those sorts of levels so soon after um that's the challenge isn't it and i think these two games will show how effective cooper manages that and um unlike uh, neil harris at cardiff cooper's not afraid to make you know one two three changes off the back of a victory um if he feels the players need a bit of a break or Courses for courses, if you like, for for different opposition, um, and and maybe we're going to see that again for Derby County and Barnsley. In that, we might well see the likes of Danda and Palmer utilised uh, from the start in in either or both of those games. So, in in essence, the question I'm asking is whether uh, whether it's uh, it's he's got his work cut out for him in trying to to raise those sorts of levels again.
1: But well, I mean, he's got to try and convey, really, isn't he? That obviously the each game is worth the same amount of points. Now, obviously, the Cardiff game is one that we do want to win above all the others, but you know, you get three points for it in the same way you'll get three points for the game against Derby. So, you know, I, and I do think that a couple of changes wouldn't do any harm either. I mean, if you think about you know, we haven't really touched on it, but Bennett and Guay were obviously doubts and they did both play. So, Maybe one of them could come out, for example, and Cabango get put back in, and then, mm. like say, got the uh, the option of Palmer or Danda coming in. Um, so there, there's options, aren't there? Um, that's definitely the the way to look at it and with this schedule now so relentless. As we keep saying, you just have to keep um, giving uh, the squad uh, some rotation. I think so. I definitely would be would be doing that this week. I mean. The game um, yesterday would have taken it out of a few of the players, so it's definitely worth trying to rotate slightly. I would say as as it will be really on on going forward because you know just it it is so relentless playing every midweek. I think next week is a week where there actually isn't a midweek, but then we're into Christmas, so there's a lot of games there. So yeah, we've we've got to just I think he, he needs to rotate and also try and convey that the same amount of points are for grabs although obviously getting that message across might not be as easy as uh, it sounds
0: Yeah, absolutely and as I said, we will put a score prediction up for that after the Derby game um, for the Barnsley one so um, I'm going to take a break from normal convention here and finish this podcast by asking uh, Gitto and Steve just to relive Jamal Lowe's second goal there, Gitto, just run it through your head and, and vocalise it for us again
2: it's just genius, isn't it? You know, IU picks up the ball, there's a lucky break, and then suddenly Lowe just bursts onto it, rides one challenge. Harry Wilson has a little swing, and I mean, rides that one too. Then that outrageous piece of skill to roll it and then shoot with the outsider's foot into the bottom corner just if anything, summed up the the gulfing quality between the two sides on Saturday, that was it. It just sent a clear message about who rules the roost in this derby. Absolutely brilliant words.
0: Steve Norton wanted it on the outside. I suppose we were all saying play him in, play him in. Um, just an absolutely outstanding goal.
1: Jamal knew best, didn't he? Like I say, I, I definitely thought he should have passed it, but... Um... Lovely run and audacious finish into the corner. Keeper, no chance. Bragging rights are are ours once again.
0: Oh, once again. God, come on, Carly. This is getting boring. Every time we see, never beat the Jacks. Never beat the Jacks.